Hallelujah. We've uh, continuing our series on the culture of Living Hope Family Church. Who we are? We are worshipers. The culture of Living Hope Family Church here in Marana. I just wanted to add uh, the last verse in Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine that Pastor Wayne read this morning. He talks about how, you know, the grace of God is exceeding. But then he ends with this statement, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift with an exclamation point. After all of this that he says about giving and how it abounds to, great, to uh, uh, glory to God and, it, and, uh, and God supplies everything, but then he, he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And we know that that's, Jesus, our Savior, that God didn't really have to save us, didn't have to send Jesus to die in our place, but he did anyway. And uh, hopefully you've all heard that phrase, even if you were the only person on earth, Jesus still would have come and died in your place. Amen? Praise God. With that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning open our hearts and our understanding to the scriptures and the truth of God and the gospel in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> the culture. I want to uh, read the, uh, by the way, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, grandmothers, and great-grandmothers. And if you're still uh, alive and you're a great-great-grandmother, happy great-great-grandmother's day to you. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Our culture. The word culture is defined in the dictionary as the sum total of the attainments, learned behavior patterns of any specific time period or age, any specific race or people group, and culture is regarded as expressing a traditional way of life, subject to gradual but continued modification by succeeding generations. Aren't you glad that God is not subject to modification and change? That's one of the bywords and the buzzwords nowadays is that, you know, everyone, uh, it, it, we're in culture wars here in this country. We got the, what they call the cancel culture. If they don't like, if a group of people doesn't like the way you believe then, or what you say, they're going to try to cancel you. Several years back, some influencer tried to cancel Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus Christ and, and God and uh, good luck with that. <laughs> Try to cancel Jesus. We don't need Jesus anymore. Well, sorry to say, yes, everyone needs Jesus. I was listening or watching online uh, to a pastor. He was uh, expounding on uh, Jesus telling the, the religious people of his day, where I'm going you cannot come. I said, what do you mean? Where's he going to Bible? And he says, because you don't believe in me and who I am, you're going to die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, you're not going to come where I am. And that's the bottom line. Amen. Hallelujah. The sum total of the attainments. Glory to God. Aren't you glad? Romans chapter 9 verse 30 says that the Gentiles, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, amen? The Gentiles have attained righteousness by faith, simply by putting our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. 
has made us right with God. We are righteous because we put our faith in Jesus. And we attained it. So that's our culture. We have attained a right relationship with God. And that should spur us or stir us to worship God. Notice that culture is also defined as the attainments or the learned behavior patterns of any specific time period or age. The God of this age in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. We are living in an age where the God of this age is not the real God. He's a usurper. He's a thief. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But Jesus, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, has been set far above every name, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Glory to God, that's good news, that even though this corrupt world and this messed up uh, uh, political scene and all that's going on in the world, wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, all the problems of life, they're going to be eradicated because there is a new age coming and it's not the new age of uh, the Zodiac and the, not the new age of the 1960s. It's the age where Jesus is going to be Lord of all. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? That's good news. Glory to God. Jesus, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul writes, he says, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and our God and Father. Glory to God. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, Paul writes and says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, but not all mankind will acknowledge it. And the grace that has appeared, the grace of God that brings salvation, teaches us that we should deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he warns us, Paul writes, says, Do not be conformed to this world or this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So don't be conformed, be transformed. And how do we become transformed? By the renewing of our mind. And how does our minds get renewed? Romans chapter 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Many years ago, I remember reading the, uh, the book of Acts for the first time. And, and I remember how Philip is you know, led out by the Spirit into the desert. And, and there's an Ethiopian eunuch. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit tells him, go up, go up next to the chariot. It runs up next to the chariot. And, uh, and he hears him, and, he, and the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah chapter 53. And I always thought, wow, that's really cool. Philip knew what he was reading because the Holy Spirit told him. I, said, I come to find out years later that before the invention of the printing press, everyone read everything out loud. <laughs> And that's how he could hear what he was reading because he read it out loud. So I want to, I said all that to say this, when you read your Bible, try reading it out loud and see what happens. Praise God. 
Glory to God. We, uh, unfortunately for the rest of the world, are not subject to continuous modification by succeeding generations. The, the Bible does not need to be updated. Can you say amen? <laughs> it does not need to be updated. God doesn't change. The, the, um, I believe it was, um, oh God, Euripides, anyway, one of the Greek philosophers. Not much is known about him, but he did say this one uh, very interesting and very profound thing. He says, the only constant in the universe, and this is a law of physics, is change. The entire universe is constantly changing. But God exists outside of the universe, and therefore God does not change. The universe is time, space, and matter. And God is eternal, so he's not in time. God's a spirit, so he's uh, not matter. And God is everywhere, so <laughs> he takes up all space. He does not change, and that's a good thing. You can always rely on God. Hallelujah. The um, modern... Uh, just as an aside, the, uh, uh, I, I own some stocks, and I get the uh, annual reports, and I read them and uh, try to make sense out of them. Um, and uh, there's this uh, thing that's going around in the in corporate world called ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance. Uh, everybody who's investing money, they want these big corporations to uh, comply with... Uh, uh, you know, environmental um, strategies to try and mitigate global warming. And I saw a video yesterday on public television. Uh, I believe these folks were in New Zealand. And uh, there's uh, several uh, nations in, in Micronesia. They're low-lying islands. And uh, if global warming continues and uh, sea level rises, these countries will be covered with water. So now if you don't agree with um, uh, global warming, now this is uh, going to be known as genocide. And so if you don't agree with it, then you're uh, agreeing with, and you don't say anything about it, then uh, the, the idea now is that you are condoning genocide because you don't condone or you don't agree with global warming, which to me is... I don't think that uh, humans uh, have that much influence on the planet Earth. In any event, they also, people, uh, investors, and everyone who's uh, big influencers nowadays, they want corporations to be social equity uh, and all that stuff. They want everybody to have a fair share, which is nice, but forcing people to believe what they don't want to believe is not right either. Can you say amen? There's a phrase that goes like this, a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. Do not try to tell me that I have to believe that uh, transgenderism and uh, uh, whatever they call it, confusion, gender confusion is, has to be, uh, I have to agree with it. I will not agree with that. Can you say amen? Yeah. God made the man and woman and that's it. If you're confused, it's because you're listening to somebody else who's not God. Praise God. And then, of course, they want everyone to be accountable, which is a good thing, with governance. So I said all that to say this, that this culture that we belong to, part of it is we are worshipers of God. 
We worship God, the God that created heaven and earth, the God who gave His only Son, who invaded human life, who came to the earth, this tiny speck of dust in the whole scheme of the whole universe. We are so small. It just blow your mind. The Voyager spacecraft, they turned the camera around and they, when they were out by the edge of our solar system, they, they looked back and said, that tiny spot back there, that's planet Earth. And it's like, really? It's like a little piece of dust. And it's so mind-boggling that the God who created the universe came to Earth. So there's people that think, well, you know, there's other planets. You know, there's probably life on other planets. Maybe so, but we're not there. We're here on this Earth, on this planet. And it's just a mind-boggling thing that the Creator became a human being like us in order to come to Earth to make right what was made wrong. The word worship means adoration. The adoration, the homage, or the veneration given to a deity or to something regarded as sacred. What's interesting to me is the word adoration comes from the Latin ad and orare, which means to pray or speak to something. So worship is not quiet. Amen? Worship is not quiet. You've seen the, the sporting events where the, the gladiators of modern uh, society are out there throwing a little pigskin around or, or trying to put a ball in a hoop or hitting a baseball with a bat. And the, somebody does something and, and they score and the crowd goes wild. I'd love to see the crowd go wild about the resurrection, wouldn't you? That's amazing. And I, and I love, I was reading... Uh, I have a, uh, several study guides at home, and I was reading about worship. And one of the things that the, the, when they found Jesus alive again, they grabbed him by the feet and would not let go. He's alive again. How many of your loved ones would you love to see again? Amen. Isn't that awesome? What a promise we have from God that there's going to be a resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's something to get excited about. Worship is the rituals or the ceremonial forms or the prayers that such adoration requires or assumes. And the third definition is excessive or ardent devotion or admiration. Excessive. Oh, praise God. I remember Pastor Larry Neville, uh, the... Uh, President of Praise Chapel. His dad was a pastor. His brother was a pastor. His grandfather was a pastor. I believe he said they were in Long Beach, California. And the, the, the worship service was so loud, somebody called the police and said they're disturbing the peace. <laughs> what a wonderful thing to have happen. They're so loud, they're worshiping God that somebody called the cops. We had that happen to us many years ago. We had a... a uh, 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 in the parking lot of the building we were in, we had a concert out front, and there were some apartments across the street, and some anonymous caller called in and said, these people are too loud. Even though we had a permit, seven cop cars show up. You gotta get a shut down. Well, we were trying to, you know, reach out to the teenagers and get them, uh, you know, to, to quit doing stupid things that teenagers do. I said, no, you gotta shut down. So, all right, so we shut down. The police came because we were too loud. 
I think somebody was, <clears throat> I mean, they, they could have come over and said, could you just turn it down just a little bit? But no, they had to call the police. Whatever. Whatever. Can you say amen? <laughs> John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And y'all probably uh, should be familiar with this uh, story. And, uh, and uh, Jesus tells her, you know, hey, give me a drink of water. And she's like, what? You're a, you're a Jew. You don't talk to Samaritans. And I'm a woman and you're a man. You don't talk. And, and Jesus tells her, you know, if you really knew the gift of God and who's talking to you, you would have asked me for a drink. <clears throat> and uh, what's so interesting is Jesus asked this person, you know, Give me something. Jesus asks us, give me something. What does Jesus want from us? He wants our worship. He wants us to give him our life. He wants us to receive him as our Savior. And, and, and Jesus tells her, <clears throat> uh, go call your husband. And the whole story, she figures out, ha, this is a man of God. Oh, I got a religious question for you. And question comes up, where do we worship God? Anybody ever meet somebody who says, I don't go to church because I worship God out in nature. I feel more close to God out in nature. Yeah, but you're a lone uh, sheep out there, and guess who's coming to get you? <laughs> Praise God. Where's the correct place of worship? Jesus says, we know what we worship, but the hour, whoops, Come back here. The hour is coming, and now is. Jesus is talking about a revolution here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. This is a very profound statement because Jesus tells the woman, you don't know what you're worshiping. We Jews know what we're worshiping. And Jesus includes himself as a Jew. Everybody know that Jesus was not a white guy. <laughs> he was a Jew. Praise God. Ours coming now is. What is necessary or what is essential is not the location, but the frame of mind. God is looking. <clears throat> excuse me. God is looking seeking for people to worship him. God wants to be worshipped. It's not because he's an egomaniac. It's because he's God. Hallelujah. Matthew Henry says, those who would have any benefit from Christ must ask for it. The hour is coming now is, so the location is not important. <clears throat> All right. The next verse. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. We are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul is talking here about spiritual circumcision because the Philippians had people come and tell them, oh, no, 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 you can't be saved unless you get circumcised. And the Philippians are saying, you're not going to do that to me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and Paul calls them mutilators of the flesh. He says, you guys do not need to be circumcised. We, we 
or the circumcision. Romans chapter 2, verse 29, Paul writes, he says, This is the real circumcision. Circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not from the letter. And his praise is not from man, but from God. This is talking about someone who, who puts their trust in Jesus. And the Spirit of God does something in their life. And they become circumcised in heart. We have no confidence in the flesh. I looked up what a vote of no confidence is. According to Wikipedia, it's a statement or a vote about whether a person in position of responsibility is still deemed fit to hold that position. <clears throat> we, <laughs> amen. So he says we have no confidence in the flesh. Give your, 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 your flesh, not your physical body, but your old nature, give your old nature a vote of no confidence. I am not able to live for God without Jesus. Amen? I am not able to live for God without the Holy Spirit. I am not able to live with, for God on my own. Amen? Because I am inadequate on my own. And in, some, in every aspect, I am unable to carry out the obligations or make decisions to live for God on my own. I have no confidence in the flesh. I cannot live for God on my own. Because, continuing the, comp the definition of no, vote of no confidence, um, my flesh or my old sinful nature is unable to make decisions uh, that are not detrimental. Decisions made apart from God are very detrimental. So let's continue. Joshua chapter 5, verse 14. They're outside of Jericho. They're getting ready to enter in the promised land. Who do we worship? Joshua Somebody's standing there with a sword in his hand, and he walks up to him. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't walk up to too many people that had a sword in their hand. But Joshua walks up to him because he recognizes, you know, there's something going on here. And this person says, as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua, first he asks him, whose side are you on? You got a sword in your hand. Whose side are you on? Are you for us or for them? He says, no, I'm not for either of you. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. This is Jesus. This is a manifestation. I forget what the technical word is of Jesus appearing in the flesh on the earth before his incarnation. And what did Joshua do? Fell to the, on his face to the earth and worshiped him. The, the appearance of the Lord. What does my Lord say to his servant, he asks him. This is interesting because he doesn't say, okay, guy, you know, what's going on? He calls him Lord. And we have a problem in this country because we don't know what a Lord is. Over in England, they know what a Lord is. But here in the United States, we, we don't really know what a Lord is, even though Paul's, uh, Jesus t says that a servant should not lord it over those that are under them but a servant should serve. Amen? Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. After Pharaoh's armies drowned in the Red Sea, the Israelites and Moses sing a song. And in verse 3, it says, The Lord, 
is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Jesus said, don't think that I came to bring peace on the earth. He said, I came to bring a sword to separate those who will live for God and those who don't want to live for God. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Wise men came from the east to worship the king of the Jews. And in verse 11, it says, When they saw him in the house, they fell down and worshipped him and presented gifts. In these two verses, the literal translation according to Young's analytical concordance of the Bible, and this word worship, it literally means to kiss the hand. Anybody ever seen, uh, uh, I guess it was Marco Polo, uh, and when he, in his travels, I was reading uh, in one account, there was this very powerful king of some sort in one of the eastern lands he visited, and that's what he did, is he kissed the man's hand as a sign of submission and, and, and uh, acknowledgement that this man's greater than me, and I better be careful. <laughs> literally to kiss the hand. They fell down and worshipped him. I don't know about you, but my favorite age group is little kids like Sage, three and four year olds. And you can tell them anything. They'll believe you. And <laughs> But before uh, we started the church here, Kathy and I were uh, working in children's church at the 22nd Street Church. And I remember getting all the kids, come on kids, let's, let's, we're having church, let's pray. Anybody sick? And one of the kids, yeah, all right, kids, come on, let's lay your hands on so-and-so and let's pray for them. <coughs> My favorite age group. And I can just picture, Jesus was probably about two years old at this time. And I can imagine, I would have loved to have been there, but I wasn't. But anyway, what I would have probably done is picked him up. And, man, this is the king of the Jews. Give him a little hug and fawn over him is what the, the word is. Kiss the hand. <clears throat> Glory to God. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is the same word, kiss the hand. Unfortunately, it adds on there, but some doubted. <clears throat> and after this, uh, Jesus gives them the Great Commission. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, they're in the city of Philippi. There's Lydia, who's a native of Thyatira. She's a worshiper of God. In Acts chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, in Corinth, the Jews reject the gospel. So there's a guy who lives right next door. His name is Justice. He's a worshiper. He invites the whole group of believers to have church in his house right next door to the synagogue. And then in verse 18, it says, Crispus, excuse me, the ruler of the synagogue believed, and he became part of the group of worshipers. By the way, worship sounded great this morning. Amen. Let's give the, I mean, I hope part of worship is we got to get involved. It's a group thing. It's not just, not just the worship team. It's not an audience thing. It's not Christian karaoke, as they say. It's there. It's to worship God and have that frame of mind. 
listen to this in Mark chapter 5 verse 6 they go across the Sea of Galilee and there's a demonic man who's living in the tombs cutting himself and crying out and howling and scaring people and the Bible says when he saw Jesus he ran and worshipped him this is a demon possessed man saw Jesus from afar ran and worshipped Jesus and the end result was that bunch of pigs who the Jews weren't supposed to have anyway <laughs> went down the cliff. Praise God. How to worship. Psalm 29, verse 2. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. How many of you are holy we're all holy by the blood of Jesus has made us holy. It's not presumptuous to say I'm holy. It is kind of funny to, or strange to tell people I'm holier than you. Because <laughs> no one's holier than anyone else. We're equally holy because the blood of Jesus has washed us and cleansed us. Give to the Lord and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So we can, when we stand to worship God in service, we can worship him knowing that we are holy, that he has made us holy. And we worship him in the beauty of holiness. Revelation chapter 22, verse 8 and 9 says, John falls at the feet of the angel who's been telling him all the things to worship him. And the angel, don't do that. Get up. Worship God only. <coughs> 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 30. The, uh, the temple foundation has been relayed. They've come back. And all the assembly worshipped. They sang. They sounded the trumpets. Verse 30 says they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. If you read the rest of the story, the worship was so loud and there was the old men were there. They were weeping because they remember the glory of the former temple and the new foundation is laid. And the Bible says you could not distinguish between the sound of the rejoicing and the sound of the weeping and the sound was heard afar off just like Pastor Neville's uh, grandfather's church. <laughs> Praise God, there was no police to call back then. <laughs> and then in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, an enemy has come with a great army. And God tells them, they, they proclaim a fast, and then they get uh, the word from God, put the musicians and the singers in front of the army. And uh, Brother Jeremiah Bowser <laughs> preached a whole sermon on this. And... Uh, is of Ignition Point Ministries. And he says, you know, <clears throat> they didn't put the singers and, and, the, <laughs> and the musicians out front because they were lousy singers and stuff, and they were hoping that the enemy would kill them first. <laughs> so that wasn't the idea. The idea was, and what happened is, they went out in front of the army singing praises to God, and the Bible says that God sent ambushments on the enemy and totally destroyed the enemy. We have an enemy, and his days are numbered, and I'm here to tell you that if you will praise God, 
If you will worship God, if you will put your heart into it, if you put your mind into who God is, the enemy doesn't stand a chance. He's going to get what's coming to him. Praise God. In Luke chapter 24, verse 52, after Jesus has ascended to heaven, they worshiped him, and then it says they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Some people... uh, Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will anyway. Some people criticize uh, churches like ours saying, oh, you guys are too emotional. Joy is an emotion. Amen? Thinking about the resurrection from the dead that we're going to see with those who have gone before us again, that we're actually going to see Jesus eyeball to eyeball someday. The resurrected Savior who loves us. That should, I mean, what are you going to do to stand and say, oh, hi, Jesus. Nice to see you. No, there's, going to, there's more joy in heaven, the Bible says, in the presence of God and His holy angels over one sinner who repents. They're having a party up there. Glory to God. How else to worship? Psalm 134, verse 2, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The old church that I went to when I was raised in, only the, the big shot in front could raise his hands. Nobody else could. That was you, If you did that, everyone looked into like you like, what are you doing? Lift up your hands. It's a sign of surrender. Amen? Psalm 5, verse 11. But let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. You see them shout and go nuts at the baseball games and the sporting events? <laughs> no reason why we can't go nuts for Jesus. Hallelujah. All those who take refuge in you or put their trust in you, that's literally <clears throat> make God your refuge. And then Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands. We have a hard time getting clapping going in this church. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe we need the drums back. When the, if, you, if you can hear it, when the snare drum gets hit, that's when you're supposed to clap. We, we, one time we're, we had, I used to play the bass guitar, and people would uh, be clapping on the bass note, and it's like, no, no, no. The musician, the, we had one preacher coming. He used to be a drummer. He says, oh, I can't stand it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that, clapping in time and all that stuff. It really, <laughs> it's all about math. Praise <laughs> Clap your hands, shout to joy, shout to God with the voice of triumph. Who we are, we are a people who worship. Worship should be joyful. Worship should be. Uh, another thing, oh, I didn't, sorry, Pastor, I didn't send these other scriptures, but that's okay, there's quite a few here. <laughs> Psalm 135, verse 2, praise him all you who stand in the house of the Lord. Sing praises, verse 3, to his name, for it is pleasant. So that's one reason why we stand. Psalm 138, verse 1 says, I will praise you with my whole heart. We have to put effort into praising God. Psalm 141, verse 2 
says, let my prayer, and remember that word adoration is to pray or to speak to, let my adoration be set before you as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Under the law of Moses, there was supposed to be an evening sacrifice and a morning sacrifice. Every day, all the day, every, and it was supposed to continue forever and ever and ever, but unfortunately, the people did not continually obey God forever and ever and ever, and it brought judgment on them, and there's no longer a temple there where they can do that morning and evening sacrifice. But in the meantime, we can lift up our hands, and it will be as the evening sacrifice. And finally, Psalm 22, verse 3, that says, You are holy. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Or as one translation says, God inhabits the praises of His people. God lives in His praises. God lives in His Word. But God lives in the praises of His people. There's an atmosphere What's that song we sing? The atmosphere is changing now, but the Spirit of the Lord is here. That's what we're striving for. That's what we want. We want to experience the presence of God. Can you say amen? And one of the ways to do that is to worship from your heart. As Jesus said, to worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. So I hope you're encouraged this morning that the God who loves us, the God who created heaven and earth, enjoys our worship. No matter how it sounds, no matter how, I mean, we're, we're not professional musicians or nothing. We're, we're just common people who love God. And let's express that every time we come. Let's put our hearts into worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's stand to our feet this morning.